Hello, and welcome to the Kosher Conversation, a Star K Media production. This is your host, Hananya Jacobson, recording at Star K Studios in Pikesville, Maryland. Making kosher meat, or more properly, making meat kosher, is the most intricate and sensitive area of kashrus. With most food that we eat, the food starts off kosher, and you just need to make sure nothing goes wrong along the way, which would make it non-kosher. Meat is the exact opposite. As it stands, you can't eat it, and everything needs to go right in order to make it kosher. It requires specially trained personnel, custom-made equipment, and constant supervision at every stage of the process. I've always found this to be a bit of a murky topic, knowing what's what in the world of shkita. And throughout the series, I hope to shed as much light as possible on the topic. But in today's episode, we're not going to touch all that. Instead, we're going to talk about something you need to know before you ever pick up your shkita knife. Which animals do we eat? Starkey's Rav HaMachshir, Rav Moshe Heinemann, has given very generously of his time to clarify this topic. Also joining us is Rabbi Meir Kurtzfeld, who, as you may recall from episode one, has extensive experience as a shaykhet and is one of the Rav's trusted emissaries for inspecting new shkitas to see if the Starkey will accept their meat. There's a question that comes up surprisingly often here at, at, at the Vad. On Fridays, sometimes the Rabbanim will bring pictures of the Rav and ask him, is this a chicken? Is this not a chicken? And I thought chickens were chickens. So what, what is that question? What are we trying to figure out? An if a bird, is only eaten by Mesiris. We have Mesiris that we, that this bird was a bird that was eaten by El Khid. I was once by a shechita, a shechit, a yerpesha shechit, and a farmer came and he brought him six eggs. No, I'm sorry, he brought him six geese. So five of them he shechted, and the sixth one he wouldn't shecht. So I said, him, what's the problem with the sixth one? So he said that the from the beak to the crown of the of of the head, it goes up more than the others do. And so I'm just afraid we don't have any Kabbalah on this kind of a goose. The uh, farmer said, these, all these six were all from the same mother. She laid six ed- eggs, and these are the geese. So the shah said, we have no Kabbalah, and I'm not going to shah. I was, um, when I was in Yishim in Lakewood, so they took a chicken to shah Kaparis, and before they shechted it, they shechted right after the kaparis, the, the same shechet was there. And Maharaj Hashiva checked his chalaf before he shechted it. And then he noticed there was something sticking out from the leg of the chicken, the part that had the scales on it, the bottom part of the leg. And there was like a, another claw sticking out. Like a bone spur or something? Uh, a bone spur, yeah, with a claw at the end. Mm-hmm. I think it was a claw at the end. So... And and kosher animals don't have reverse claws, or it was just extra. extra? It, it, it was it besides the four claws mm-hmm. that it has on the bottom of the foot. It had the this one coming out from the side. So my Shiva wasn't sure whether we eat this kind of a bird. We're going to shecht it and eat it. We're going to shecht it and throw it in the garbage. So he he said to the shechet, uh, "Is this a problem over here?" Because the Shachim had more experience than Rabbanim, a certain one, the Rosh Hashivas, was considered a min that we have a Sarah or not. So the Shachim says, in Europe we had this all the time, we used to Shachim and eat it. 
Okay, so there was a couple, there was a Messiah on it. So I said, fine. And uh, the Sheikh didn't it. So the, anything that's unusual mm-hmm. is a question we had a Messiah. We had a question about a chicken, I think you were there, Ramea, um, that came from India, that the skin was black and the feathers were like his. They're not regular feathers. And I said, uh, that we don't have a Messiah on this kind of a chicken. What do you mean it was like hair? A feather has like a, a, a something hard, hard cartilage on the inside, and from it, the there are projections mm-hmm. which make the which the um, make the feather. Okay, and plus they are actually stuck together, and they're stuck together. Stuck together. And this one was all hairs. It was white. The whole chicken was white. You couldn't see they had a black skin. Um, from looking at it, because there was white hair, but there were hairs. Like chickens have hairs also, um, besides feathers, especially towards the uh, the breast of the chicken and uh, towards the bottom. There are hairs over there, and this was all hairs. So we have no cabal on it. No cabal on. It. We we can't. Um, we we can't make kosher. Is that the same thing as mammalian hair, or it's uh, just? Like very fine feathers. The no, it was it was hair. Chickens mm-hmm. typically, the ones that we do eat, they have feathers. But right. after you take off the feathers, there are also hairs on it. So they put them through a flame to singe off the hairs, because the machines that take off the feathers are not so great at taking off the hairs. Okay, I didn't know that. Well, any housewife knows that. <laughs> So when, say, Rabbi Kurtzfeld or one of the other Rabbanim here brings a picture of a new species, so what is the Rav assessing when he looks at that picture? My, my thinking is that it's not the name chicken, the word that we, that we call it a chicken, that gives us the Messiah. It is not the name, and it's not the name that will destroy the Messiah. In other words, we, we call a chicken a uh, pheasant. Mm-hmm. If it's the same as a chicken, it's a chicken. The rule is, if it looks like a chicken, it smells like a t- chicken, it tastes like a chicken, then it's a chicken. But what's not a chicken? What could be not chicken? Uh, so let's say instead of having four claws on the barn, mm-hmm. it would have five or three. So then that's different from a regular chicken. Right. So, or if it's um, sometimes it doesn't... The male doesn't have a crop, or uh, what's that thing called on the top of the head? Crown. A crown. A crown. If he doesn't have a crown, the male. So that's something which is unusual. The uh, They have two lobes coming out from the side of the face, especially in the cavus. So if they don't have it, it's it's I mean, it could be different. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I mentioned that there was this uh, sloth. What do you call, what do you call quail. quail. So someone asked me, can you eat a quail? So I know that in Europe, especially during the war times, they used to eat quails. And uh, I have uh, aides from um, Schachtem that they used to shech the quail in Europe because there was, a, in some places, you were not allowed to shech. So a quail you can shake in your kitchen and it's a smaller bird. It's a small it's a fat bird, but it's a small bird, it's a lot of fat. So he used to eat it. So someone asked me, Can you eat it? 
As a matter of fact, we had someone who wanted to um, us to shecht quail. Make a commercial production. Commercial production. I said, no. So I said, we have no cabal on it. So they said, um, but I myself had said that in Europe you see it. I said, there's a European quail and an American quail, two separate birds. They're both fat and they're both small, but that's the end of the similarity. Uh, similarity. I, I do want to add, though, when, when, when the Rav has checked some of the breeds, like, for example, very unusual, that you, you, even though the, the top half looks like somewhat of a chicken, when you start having feathers around the legs, like mm-hmm. very fancy looking things, that's also very uncommon that we don't have a Masaira for. It looks unusual. Mm-hmm. Some of them even look, we've had some that the rough as possible, they look more like a vulture than they do. So what I do a lot when I present to the Rav Heinemann, um, you some of these new breeds, <laughs> <laughs> what I do is I'll do, you know, in our day and age, there's a Google, and I, Wikipedia is very good, and you can take any breed that there is, and it'll give you the whole uh, source of what they mixed, where it come from, and a lot of them uh, do have some some not chickens that they pers- pur- purposely crossbred with others for whatever reason they did. Some of them, of course, produce a, a blue eggs, which will also identify some of the issues on the chicken itself, even if they look like a chicken, but the egg will will, will be somehow. And um, and um, when you read some of these things, you could see that some of them could be problematic, but usually the Rav looks at it, and uh, I don't think we go, uh, my understanding of Rav Heinemann, not always just because there might be a mix somewhere in the genetic, somewhere back, that it's, it was a non-kosher possibly, but just saying that all these things help in identifying which are the kosher acceptable breeds. It sounds like what the Rav is saying is that it's a bird really done on a bird-by-bird basis. Well, it's done on a type of bird-by-type of bird basis. Now, is there such a thing called a Cadillac chicken? Let's say, I don't know. I'm sure there is. So then we, we're going to say that if we can identify one Cadillac chicken as a regular chicken, then all the Cadillacs are going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Even though not all, the rough started off with a mice saying that not all geese are the same. Not all, yes, it's true that not all geese are the same. But you have a right to assume that if it's a question of a type of bird, mm-hmm. that uh, just because um, they call it a different name, like with animals, where we don't need a Masaira. So there are different types of animals. They're all cows, but some of them are called um, the, uh, well, the ones that we shech, the back ones. Black Angus. Black yeah. Angus. And limousine. The limousines. Limousines. Um, Holsteins. Um, uh, Jersey, Jersey cows. Herefords. Hereford cows. They're all, but it's like a type. So if they would, if we would need a, um, if we would need a masera on it, once we have masera on one of them, it's always the masera. It's always not the one that you're shechting now. The masera is the one that you shechted before that. Not here. Same thing is by ducks, by the way. We're talking about chickens, but there was a whole shila. If you look it up, you'll see mallard, on these uh, mallard. mallard ducks whether they are acceptable. Even though you know you look at them, they look like a duck. I mean, I'm not telling you they look like a vulture. But yet there was a whole shaila on the Masar whether you, we can shech the Mahler duck or not. I think that's the only ones we shech now. The Pekin duck. The Pekin duck is the only one that has a Masar. It's the only breed that we use. Everybody uses mm-hmm. the Pekin ducks. 
And do we take Messias of other communities? Yes, we will. As a matter of fact, the OU had a convention to everyone who had a Messiah and anybody they should come, and so they should sh share it with everyone else so that we should know there's a Messiah on this bird. Mm -hmm. And so do we take any new birds now because of that, or commercially well, it didn't really make a difference? There, there are two issues here. One issue is which you're allowed to eat, the other one is which one will sell. <laughs> it's going to taste like something. And it's going to be available at a normal price in order to be able to mm -hmm. sell at a, a profit. And so that leaves us pretty much with chicken. What about Turkey, the Messiah on Turkey? Okay, so in Hebrew it's called a town called Haidu. Haidu is uh, Ethiopia, India. Why would they call it an Indian chicken if they never had it in India? So, supposedly, it comes to the United States. Now, the question, really, we can ask, how did it come in the United States? Was it born over here in the United States? I think that all, everything that was created was created in Gan Eden, and the Bansham created the Bria. So, how did it get here? And so, the truth is that there is a way to walk from India to America, over the Bering Straits in the winter when the sliced over, you can actually walk, walk across. And uh, so it's not such a... And there were people here, the American Indians, when the, uh, Columbus came and discovered America, they must have either walked across or took a canoe and went over the summer mm. when you can get across it's just 50 miles so it's doable and um, see it's very possible India is much closer to Ghanaian than America they start off in India as possible and if they had that Kabul in India at that time so then it'll uh, we'll, we'll accept it seems that for one reason or another it had been accepted based on a cabal somewhere else, if it was mm -hmm. new in America, based on a cabal somewhere else. And um, at this point, we have a Messiah on it, because everyone eats it. Mm -hmm. I do know that some of my friends growing up came from families, I think the Tesis Yantiv's family, the Schloss family. So there are people that won't eat turkey. Yes, it is true. Even in my house, I don't buy it. But if I'm offered it, I eat it. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I'm eating by a suda, brismila, or any kind of suda, and I'm, I... I think it's a I, classic Baltimore dish, turkey salad. Is that right? I don't know. Reverend Prince still laughing because he's in food service. <laughs> exactly. Okay. <laughs> but uh, so, I, so I'm stuck on the... I'm stuck on the whole world. That there's a couple of... Go and buy it. Look at color. So that I don't do. But I do believe there's a couple of... Okay. So what about birds that aren't, the, the Rub mentioned a few minutes ago, the OU conference, but there are a lot of birds that, be, for commercial reasons, aren't really shechted, like pigeons, for example, have to be kosher. They're, they're brought on the mizbeach, right? Pigeons, doves, things like that. How do we maintain the Messiah on that sort of thing? I mentioned before that in times of the war, mm -hmm. they shechted a lot of things that you couldn't only get. Um, meat was scarce to begin with. 
birds, they fly around uh, wild, so they're easier to get. In the time when nothing can, you, you when you, you know, out to shech when you can't import anything. So during those times of stress, there are people who remember these to eat it. Mm-hmm. So then we uh, rely on that. Mm-hmm. So if somebody can shecht uh, chickens, ducks, etc., does that he? Is that good for all birds? No, that's interesting you ask that. No, it's not good. See, a pigeon, um, you, when you shecht a bird, really a bird, to shecht it, you only have to shecht either the windpipe or the food pipe, and it's kosher. Mm-hmm. We shecht both. Now, the food pipe and windpipe of a chicken are one behind the other. When you shecht, you shecht a little bit, you shecht through the windpipe, you shecht a little bit more, you shecht through the food pipe. But a, a pigeon, the windpipe and food pipe are on two sides of the neck. They're not in the one in front of the other. Mm-hmm. So therefore, if you want to shecht them, you have to, while the, chickens are, uh, the pigeons are alive, you take the two of them and hold them together under the skin. You hold them, and then you shecht, and you shecht both. And that's... Uh, uh, it needs an extra expertise. And if you only have uh, Kabbalah to shech uh, chickens and turkeys, it just doesn't, it's not valid for pigeons. Are there any other birds that are like that? Any other specialty? Not those that are commonly that are commonly shechted. Mm-hmm. It's in the maneuver. You maneuver it in your tvisa, but you have to you have to learn. And we're not used to doing it, pigeons. So you'd you'd have to know how to do that to bring the two together, so you could check them at the same time. While it's alive. While it's alive. Right. While it's, it's alive simple. under the skin, you have to hold the two together. So we discussed birds. What else do we check And amongst the behemoths, we we shecht bulls, cows, and steers. Those are all one min, right? One they species. are all one type. A bull is a male, a cow is a female, and a steer is a castrated male. Now, we're not allowed to castrate animals, but if it was castrated, we're allowed to eat it. So if the guy castrates it, that was his problem. Uh, it's not our problem, and uh, we're allowed to eat it. Now, the castrated males are, don't get uh, wild in general. A regular bull can get wild, and they are number one easier to raise the the uh, steers. Not only are they easier to raise, but they get fat and grow faster on less of the um, amount of food that a bull takes to get uh, fat and grow. Really, why is that? Because a bull has a Yetzirah, and he expends a lot of energy with his Yetzirah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more uh, the, the more um, they, they move, the more um, energy they expand. And if they, if they use up more energy, they're using up the food, which gives the energy for... It's exercise, but the, the ones that are more uh, domesticated, you know, they're quiet, so they, they so the food just goes to get them grow and get mm-hmm. them fat. 
And in general, consumers prefer meat that's fattier or more muscular? In the business, there are certain types of foods that want bull meat. For instance, salami and bologna um, are made exclusively from bull meat. Um, one of the reasons is because if you put into ice, the meat actually expands. Mm-hmm. So, and so you have more meat for the um, say for the price of bull meat. That's number one. Number two, the bull meat typically has less fat. And so we're, from a steer, a lot of fat goes into the garbage because there's not such a market for fat anymore, especially since you, whenever you um, produce something with animal fat, um, people turn up the noses as animal fat. It's not uh, healthy. You have to use it only vegetable fat. So there's not such a market for it. And um, so you want meat. You're only allowed to put a certain amount of water and fat into a salami mm-hmm. uh, or into a hot dog. It's unregulated by the government. So it, the bull meat, which is more meat and less fat, you can use a lot of the fat and put it in. So you don't lose the fat. And you can actually take fat from a steer and you can put it in. It's considered beef. Uh, from a steer, you, a lot of the fat gets wasted. So you're paying more per pound of meat because you pay for the fat also and you can't use it. Uh-huh. Cow meat, it depends what kind of cow we're talking about. There are cows which are bred for, to me, meat cows. So they are similar to steers. But they are dairy cows and the dairy cow, after the cow has been giving milk for a while, and there's a question in the farmer's mind, am I making any money on this cow? I have to feed the cow. The feed costs money. I get money for the milk. But after I paid all my workers and all over and everything, am I making money on it or not? So if he's not making money on it, so he sends it to the slaughterhouse, and then he doesn't have to feed it anymore, and he makes some money on selling the cow. Now, these cows are, it's older meat because it's at the end of its lifespan. Normally, if they're made for meat, they come at the beginning of their lifespan. But if they're dairy cows, they sell the end of the lifespan, and the meat is tough. And it's hot. even after you cook it for a long time, let's say eight hours, it's still not so easy to chew. Mm-hmm. So the way to eat it is you've got to grind it. And then after you prepare it, it's, you can chew it because it was, it was uh, ground up from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. That's why the McDonald's, which is famous for the hamburgers, is mostly, uh, I would think, uh, um, ground up cow meat. That's what usually what it's, what it's made for. What about other species? So we we also shecht veal. Mm, which now, is cows. Veal is, is again cows. Um, now, most of the veal which we shecht comes from dairy farms because for some reason, the when a, a cow doesn't give milk 
unless it had a calf. After that, they have to get it pregnant again when it doesn't give any milk. And then when it gives, when it gives it, has a calf, it'll start giving milk another two years. And so, and so on. That's how the cycle goes. What's, what's the answer? What question? Where I was explaining where veal comes from. Yes. So, for some reason, the calves which these cows have, the cows are all females. Now, for some reason, the calves of these cows, it's a 50-50 chance if it's going to be a male or a female. If it's going to be a female, they would, they use them. Because when they grow a little bit older, they will be uh, be having calves themselves, and they will be giving milk. And this is a dairy. But the, for the males, they don't have too much use. So what do they do with them? They sell it to the slaughterhouse. Once they're about uh, um, five, six months old, so they sell it to the slaughterhouse, and they get money. For, that's where veal comes from. So veal is um, mostly, I would say, maybe uh, over 90% from Holstein cows. So Holstein cows are the cows that give milk, and which are the ones who are typically used, even though they're Jersey cows, but then have fallen in disfavor in the United States because they have a lot of fat in their milk. And uh, for some reason... Um, um, in America, fat is a no-no. You don't eat fat. Okay. Now, uh, so the, those that's veal. Also, we eat lamb. Lamb and sheep are related. A sheep comes in male and female. The a ram is a male sheep. When it gets older, it's called a ram. They, we eat, we eat them. There's special halachas about lambs. They're not so easy to shech because they have a, very often have a lot of wool around the neck. And one of the halachas of shechita is that you can't have anything covering the knife during the, uh, during the shechita. And since it has so much wool, we're afraid it might cover the knife um, during the shechita. So here in Baltimore, we shave them. Mm -hmm. They go to the barber shop and... Uh, shear the neck. We shear the necks um, so that that's some, something that shouldn't happen. There's other ways how to prevent that from happening, but this is the, the way we do it over here. So... So that's just a detail about the shechita of a of a lamb. So the the when they're younger, they're called lambs. When they get older, I think after a year, they're called sheep, and the meat is called mutton. And uh, most um, Jewish people do not eat mutton. For halachic uh, reasons or for taste no, reasons? No, for taste reasons. It, it, doesn't taste, it doesn't taste the way that they want it to taste. In general, everything, when it's younger, the meat tastes uh, softer, the meat is softer and tastes juicier than when it gets older, which is true by animals also. So we, we have these, uh, these lamb, 
whether they're males or females, we eat them. Um, after the proper shita ceremony and everything else, which we have to do with them. The, we'll not eat goats. Goats is not a favorite of the Jewish palate. And um, uh, typically they're not, we, we don't uh, shech them, even though we can shech them. And they have some um, issues of their own. Uh, they have a beard. So that could also cover the knife. Uh, yeah, you have to make sure that the beard is... Uh, uh, they have also pointed horns, which can be... Uh, you've got to be very careful with them, um, that they shouldn't hurt the shaykhet. And you also have to make sure that there's nothing in the neck. But that's by birds also. What do you mean, nothing in the neck? If it's swallowed it, and it doesn't, um, and it's still in the food pipe, and you shaft through it, the shita may be possible because it takes time to shach what's in it to cut it through and it may be is a shahia if you stop a little bit in the shita it's not good. those are basically the only animals we eat goats lambs and uh, veal and, and cows now we also sometimes eat buffalo We've shechted buffalo over here. American buffalo? European buffalo? American buffalo. There's a question about this buffalo, whether it is a... The, the uh, Shukhanach indicates that a buffalo may be a chaya and not a behemoth, and therefore you need kisei hadam, so we make kisei hadam without a bracha, even though the, the buffalo, which the Shochanah was talking about, and our buffalo, two completely different animals, this is the American buffalo, which is a type of elk, bison. It's a bison. There, we also eat deer. We have a Kabbalah deer. So deer is also a chaya, and we have to have kisei hadam. Um, as far as I know, we, it's not the minig in most places in America to eat the hindquarters. Maybe in some Sephardic communities they might eat it. The hindquarters has the good in it and the forbidden fats, chalev, mm -hmm. which is the hindquarters. So the people who have been trained and know how to cut out the good the sciatic nerve and the uh, the fat, and that's how they do that. And after this all been cut out, they can salt it and make it kosher. But in general, it's not eaten in the. The Rev is talking about cows right now, or about deer. Everything. Everything. No, even though there's no chaylev in a deer, but there is a giranasha in a deer. Mm -hmm. And since we don't have, most of us don't know how to uh, devein or whatever you call it, menaka, the hindquarters, so it's not eaten. I went special to Israel, um, to Rav Mahmud, to teach me how to take care of the hindquarters. Don't think I know it. I mean, <laughs> I, maybe I knew it at the time, but uh, it's been uh, maybe 25 years ago. 
So I wouldn't do it in practice. I wouldn't do it. Okay. Now, um, I think the Rev once mentioned that there was a Shiloh about shechting the American buffalo, even though the, whether or not you need a Messiah. Some- okay. The Chazanish says that you need a Messiah on Behemoth also. He's medaiket from the Lashon of the Chachmas Adam, who actually just quotes the Shach verbatim. But the Prima Gardim picks up on the Shach and he says that you don't need a you don't need a Messiah by Behemoth. And basically, that's what the Minigalim is. But the Chazanish says, no, you should be Makbir on the Messiah. And because of that, um, the Chazanish is against eating the Brahma um, cows, which uh, have like a hump on the back of the neck, which is basically fat in there, um, because we don't have, we don't have a Kabbalah on it. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a little bit of a problem. Because um, the cows that we eat, like the Black Angus cows, and most of them don't do well in the hot climate. The Black Angus actually originates in Scotland, what they think, and there's a much cooler climate, and they can exist in sub-zero weather but they cannot exist in when it gets too hot. They just die. They just die. Die. Very fragile things, these cows. Cows are fragile, yes. Um, So the normal temperature of a cow is um, 104, more than a human being, which is 98.6. And the... um, the problem is they have no pores in their skin. And because they have no pores in their skin, their skin is excellent, excellent for making parchment from it. Because if it has pores, you couldn't write on it because the pores actually holes. And when you go over a hole, it would just blot. And uh, so that's why they use parchment from cows or bulls. That's why it makes good jackets too, I guess. Uh, you know, maybe if we would have holes, we would actually for, <laughs> for jackets because they get very hot. They're good for the winter. Right, yes. that's what I mean. Right. So the way a dog also has no pores in its skin. So how does it keep cool? We keep cool because the water vapor goes through the pores in our skin and when the the water leaves our skin and it becomes water vapor, it cools off the skin. And so we keep cool that way. Mm-hmm. But how's a cow or a keep uh, cool? It keeps cool by breathing in the cool air. And sometimes you see a dog panting in the in the heat because it also gets cool, cool by breathing in the air. But if the air outside is 98, so then it's not going to cool too much. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, these act- so, so the, therefore, there's a problem with these cows that they to live in a place like uh, Mexico or um, in the um, West Indies, uh, Honduras, uh, these countries, Panama, 
where it's very hot, it's very difficult for them. But there is a type, this Brahma cows, they can take the hot weather. Right. India is very hot and it's full of cows. Because it was mostly the Brahma cows. Or they have a type of cow which is, um, which they can uh, exist in. Now, in Israel, their cows, to my understanding, Israel also gets hot. To my understanding is that their cows, which they have, they don't have too many cows in Israel, but that partially is because they don't have too much pasture land, and a cow needs between one and two acres of land to be able to exist through the summer on the grass which grows over there, and the winter doesn't grow anyway. So you've got to give them food to eat, but the but uh, or you they so you need two for every cow you need between one and two acres, depending what type of cow it is. So it's uh, you need you need land, and you need the land that can produce grass or hay, which is the same thing. Uh, hay is uh, dried grass. So therefore, they're not. They don't have that many cows. Uh, most of the cows which they have is dairy cows. The uh, meat they usually get from Argentina, Uruguay, uh, Brazil. These countries where the meat is cheaper, and they import it from over there. They send their shachtim over there, and the batim over there. It gets kosher over there, and then they bring it. So the cows that they do have, my understanding is that they are bred with the Brahma cows in such a way that they can exist in the heat. So if we're going to say the Brahma cows are not kosher, then I'm not sure if the milk that they milk over there is okay or the meat that they shakht over there would be okay according to those opinions. But it seems that the prevailing opinion is that they don't need a Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. And therefore we and, and I know someone asked Rabbi Yashiv if we can eat these uh, um, bison that we shecht over here because we don't really have a Kabbalah on it. And he said to the one who asked, is there anyone in America who shechts bison? They said yes. So he said, if, if so, you can, you can use it. Did that mean that that's enough of a messiah? No. What did it mean? What he meant was that there is a cloud that if something is really permitted, but the people say that you can't do it. People say you can't do it, you're not to matter it. Because it looks to the people like you are being matter asurim. Because the Almanic was to not to use it. But the Almanic is uh, to use it, then I'll tell you the Allah that you could do. As long as we're on the tap- topic of these animals, uh, growing up, I always heard that we. Ba'atama giraffe is kosher. It's uh, split hooves, it's a ruminant. But we don't know where on the neck to shech. On the neck to shech it. Is there yeah. anything to that? If there's any animal where well, we have the. The least problem where the shechte would be a good giraffe, because mm-hmm. has long neck, uh, s- uh, six feet long or whatever. So you got plenty of place where the shechte. Now the the, the re- main reason why we don't eat giraffes is because meat doesn't taste good. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it.
If it would taste good, the guy would cultivate giraffes to eat. They don't do that because they don't taste. And are there any other more exotic animals that we do shecht? Or no, but there's a, in India they have a chaza, which has split hooves. Even in America has split hooves. Yeah. And it chews the cud. So that's interesting. Chazal say, Loma Nikrashma Chazir, why is it called Chazir? Shaosara Kajbahu, the Chazir al Israel. That in the future it's going to become mutter. So the question is that everything, if the Torah says it's Asa, it does become mutter at a later date. Nothing in Torah changes. What does it mean that it's going to be mutter? It means that in the future it's going to be a Habbal Simonim. And the Torah says as a Chazir, that you can only not eat it because it doesn't chew the cut, which seems to indicate that if it does chew the cut, that you'll be allowed to eat it. It looks exactly like a chasa. It acts like a chasa. Interesting. I never knew that. Okay. So you're in India, so you can... You can uh, look, at, look out for it. Right. So why don't we eat it? Because it doesn't taste good. <laughs> that, that's why you don't know about it, because even in India, they don't cultivate it. Uh-huh. So, um, if it would taste good, that it'd be here in America. You can make sure of that. Mm-hmm. But nothing to do with Messiah. Well, we don't need a Messiah. Here, the text says explicitly, mm-hmm. That's all for today's episode of the Kosher Conversation. As always, your comments and questions are welcome at podcast at star-k.org. Join us next time when we will talk about what it takes to become a sheikhit and much more. This is Hanani Jacobson signing off.